Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. the Five Plan Podcast. <laughs> just as a two-man pod this week, just me and Jack. And uh, well done, listener. Well done for downloading and listening to this podcast, because uh, I imagine a lot of people are not doing that uh, for this one, especially if you're a patron. This is your second in 48 hours. You are an absolute trooper, so well done to you. Speaking of troopers, fresh from hosting the, uh, what was it, Family Family Fortunes? Family Blankety Blank. Blankety Blank. I knew it was some random TV show. Uh, Jack Pickett. I think I was channeling my inner Bradley Walsh, but some could accuse me of perhaps my inner Lily Savage, but we'll see. Both great. Both great. Both wonderful. Both safe pairs of hands. Both safe pairs of hands. Yeah. And were you a safe pair of hands? I think so. I think everyone enjoyed it. Okay. Anyway, how are you? Was that, so that was last night. That was obviously, I guess, um, was was a nice distraction from... The, the proceedings at Sellers. The fact that was the highlight of my day probably <laughs> says it all. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, I'm all right. Yeah, nice, nice enough Christmas. And yeah, nice, nice to spend time with, with family because obviously Christmas previously have been disrupted. So nice to do that. Palace being thumped at home <laughs> didn't really even detract from that. But let's let's talk about that thumping because it needs it needs talking about. Unfortunately, we do have to. Yeah. And it does need talking about. I'm, I'm glad you had a good Christmas. I hope everyone had a good Christmas slash holiday slash whatever you celebrate. hope you had a nice time if you were able to see um, did, family. Jim, you did say that in your shout out for questions. You said we need to talk about it. And it looks as though plenty of people wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. This always happens when Palace do particularly badly. I think we've had over 100 questions, um, which doesn't happen very often. But there's something about Palace doing really badly that seems to kind of really ignite <laughs> a fire in people. Yeah. Yeah, there were lots of questions being asked during the game, so only yeah. fair that they're asked after it too. Totally fair. We're going to do a bit of a question special because there's so many. We're going to try doing questions bingo. So I'll get you to 
We'll come to this in a minute, but it's something we've done before. We've had loads of questions to try and get through them all. Um, and I'm sure they'll be mostly covering subjects that you and I would have talked about. Um, I'm, I'm going to anyway. bounce. You're, you're going to answer some as well. This isn't like a Q&A with Jack Pierce, is it? This please is like don't Fro- make it that. This is like Frost Nixon. I'm saying but, but, but please, you. because I think that listener that has tuned in will be very quickly turning <laughs> off if it is just me giving my own opinion. I, I don't, have we done two-man pod before? I don't know if it's the first no, two-man pod. We've, we've engaged in light-hearted banter before mm. we've interviewed people, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, so like the era, we may be sticking to a new system here that's we're, not going to work. Yeah, we're a bit light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, before we do that, let's do a shout out to a random patron. So uh, the two of us, let's try and do as many drum rolls as three or four people. It's uh, Mr. Tim Fukawa Connolly. Tim. Hello, Tim. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining the patron. You can join the patron like Tim and get all sorts of rewards. Post-match podcast. The uh, Bournemouth post-match pod is up already uh, last night. Extra content on the main f- pods. The Fulham one. If, if we're doing what the did I say? Po- <laughs> But if we're doing that four days ahead, that is a great offer. That is a good offer. Do you know what? I've already clearly moved on to Bournemouth game from, from Fulham mentally. Um, Patreon-only merchandise and access to the Patreon-only Discord club at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast uh if you are looking for something slightly more entertaining than the palace game yesterday my stand-up show is taking place for the final time ever um in not me doing stand-up for the final time ever but the, the show the edinburgh show i did called jim daily football and fatherhood at angel comedy at the bill murray pub february the 9th 6 30 p.m tickets available at angelcomedy.co.uk would love to see you there plenty of palace content in that show if that helps sway you um this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. This can be a tough time of year for many people. Seasonal affective disorder, loneliness, overwhelm at Christmas, relationships. And if you're struggling, there is help available. Talking to a therapist is a proven way to work through your issues, whatever they may be. Talking to a trained professional about whatever is making you frustrated is a great way to work through your issues, be they stress, anxiety, depression, or just things getting a bit overwhelming. Life doesn't come with a user manual, and it's normal to feel stuck when things aren't working out. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills. But finding and going to the right therapist for you can feel really stressful and overwhelming. That's where BetterHelp come in. They're making therapy accessible to everyone and affordable. All you do is sign up to BetterHelp and fill out a questionnaire and they will match you with a therapist that's perfect for you. Sessions are online, so if the idea of seeing someone face-to-face feels too much, you can turn your camera off. And if things aren't clicking with your therapist, that's no problem. You can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. As the world's largest online therapy, they've ma- BetterHelp have matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. There's no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endlessly searching for the right therapist. You can learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash FYP. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash FYP. Jack, let's talk about Palace losing 3-0 to Fulham, which if you'd looked back at the history books of the last couple of seasons, and I Apologies to whoever this was on Twitter. I can't remember, but someone pointed this out. Including this season, the last three Boxing Days have all gone Palace nil, opposition three. It's the third Boxing Day in a row that Palace have lost three nil. So should we have seen it coming? We did. Well, as soon as I knew you were going, I did predict a Fulham Fulham win. Um, No, I don't think we should have predicted it. I mean, Fulham clearly a far better outfit than they have been um, compared to when they've come up in other seasons, but they are still a newly promoted team. 
Um, and we have, before yesterday, I certainly would have said we have a better uh, starting eleven than them. Um, so, no, I don't think we should have seen it coming, but um, it certainly wasn't going to be a, a particularly easy uh, 90 minutes. But, yeah, my God, did it highlight some issues that, that need addressing sooner rather than later. Issues which I'm sure we'll come on to. I think, to be honest, not not the deciding factor, because I think Palace were poor and probably would have lost, depending on, uh, sort of regardless of who was playing for Fulham. But Mitrovic, I think, was a big start for Fulham. I went with some Fulham fans, drove them down from Chesham, and um, annoyingly really nice and gracious in a victory as well, which is even more annoying. That's, uh, well, given that they didn't sing when they were thrown up in a London derby, yeah, they're probably That's overly right. polite. Overly yeah. polite. <laughs> Um, but they were delighted Mitrovic was starting and he did he did cause Palace problems, didn't was he? Was he an injury doubt then before? Yeah, I think he right. had an injury before the World Cup and played through an issue okay. uh, for Serbia. Uh, okay. But he is a big, big player for them and actually maybe someone that Palace sort of player in terms of his what he offers up top and his, and I'm going to use the word early doors again, shithousery, uh, Palace could do with. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, almost certainly. Um I think Wilf starting as a central strike is certainly one of the issues that uh, is there for debate. As soon as I saw that, I thought that was the wrong call. Uh, For me, Wilf should be starting through the middle when we're playing against a team that we know we're going to need to be compact against, uh, compact against, and and Wilf offers that outlet. But for me, uh, Wilf on the left with either Odson Edouard or or Jean-Philippe Mateta through the middle against Fulham at home, strikes me as the far better balance. And again, the balance of the team is another issue that we can talk about from yesterday. Um, it's difficult for me to compare it to the Forest performance because there's six weeks between it, but there are parallels between the performances, um, yeah. even with a, a six-week period between the two of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, every point you make, Jim, is going to be me not really providing an answer. It's, it's more questions than answers, but, um, yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I is, that, is that the title for this week's episode? More questions uh, yeah. than answers. More questions than answers. Yeah, I think so. Um, but Mitrovic, uh, you know, a bona fide in the box striker, um, is is perhaps something we are missing. Jean Philippe Matet is probably the closest to that that we have. Yeah. Um, I, for one, I don't know why Olsen Edwards um, hasn't really had a start in either the Forest game or the Fulham. I know Wilf did very well at um, at West Ham in early November. Um, but I would consider Forrest and Fulham to be different opponents uh, to West Ham. And whereas Will through the middle that day made a lot of sense. And I think when that team lineup was announced, it, everyone was like, yeah, I could see why that might be the case. But yesterday, perplexing. Um, Ebbs and Elise through the middle, uh, not through the middle, but in the middle, drifting into places where they're not as effective as they possibly could be, uh, probably as a result of Wilf not being where he is most threatening. So, yeah, but a bizarre choice you're saying and probably highlighted that need for a striker. If there is no trust in Mateta to play that role, then again, that's a part of the pitch and a part of the squad that you hope will be addressed in January. I'm scrolling through the 100 plus questions to try and find. I'm sure someone mentioned about Zaha playing up top and it not working. It may have been a patron on yesterday's pod. I can't I can't find one. I literally can't scroll quick enough. There's so many uh, questions. Um but Wilf, he was so isolated up top, wasn't he? He really, I, I feel like he was maybe slightly harshly done by by the ref, Andy Madley, who, who I'm sure will come on to it. We will point. come on to that guy. <laughs> um, he, there was a lot of early handsiness from the Fulham defenders, I think went unpunished, which is very it's, harsh. It's on a Wilf. deal. It's a deal in it's particular. Deal, yeah. And I mean, there's one 10 minutes in, he had his 
arm round his neck yeah. and he did not give that as a foul. Yeah, and there, there was a few later on which were sort of similar, which were given. So there was a, very much inconsistent from the referee. When you're a defender, the last thing you want is Wilf running at you. And actually, when you're Palace, it's exactly where you want, you want Wilf with his face to goal, not his back to goal. He does not thrive with his back to goal. But because of those tactics from Fulham, where be them legal and legitimate or not, they were able to keep him facing his own goal, which, yeah. to be honest, completely nullified Wilf uh, in, in general. We have seen him play really well up, up top. And score goals from that position. But it's always when running and facing the opposition goal. If you can't get Wilf to turn and face the opposition goal, you will pretty much get nothing from him. I think this comment I'm about to make is probably nullified somewhat by the fact that we played with 10 men for 60 minutes. But I felt that Wilf was was too concentrated on Diop. He didn't try and, and switch to the right-hand side and therefore... Yeah. Have a go at Tim Ream, who what I thought. Was the Tim... game where, what was the game earlier this season where he did it himself? He he drifted that wide himself, and in the post-match uh, uh, interview, said, "Oh, I just decided to go out wide and get more space." I, and everyone's like, "Yes, Will, that's great." Uh, early on, yeah, I can't I remember. remember the game. Must have won it. I mean. Maybe Le- Leeds. Leeds. He Leeds, drifted out okay. wide against Leeds, um, and we were a much better team for that. But yeah. that option probably was not available to him once we went down to ten men. Because yeah. we have to have somebody up the top of the pitch to kind of hold the ball up, um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's it's one of them where if if Wilf is on fire, he probably makes something out of himself yesterday. But Diop, with the assistance of the referee, nullified him pretty yeah. effectively. We to be honest, we I actually I always feel like the players were so bad and it was so in, incoherent and so sloppy in possession. It's almost irrelevant, and they're all legitimate questions. But us talking about formation and Wilf on top of stuff because I feel like they could have played eleven Wilfs, or they could have played the perfect perfect formation. They still would have lost because there was just something missing yesterday, and I don't know what it was, and it was missing from the start. I think everyone who's seen us a lot this season could probably call that yesterday wasn't our day within the first fifteen yeah. minutes. I think the two red cards, which we will talk about, um, will probably mask how bad a performance that was. Yeah, um, misplaced passes, inconsistent tracking back inconsistent shape maintenance it just was all at sea yesterday nothing really worked um and it shows in the scoreline i mean that so i think the scoreline is assisted by the two red cards but yeah i think in terms of performance the, the two red cards have nothing to do with that shall we talk about the red cards we get them out of the way just, let's just do it because funnily enough no questions about them at all um i have uh no issues with one and i have slight issues with the other one the issues i've the one i don't have issues with is the mitchell one i think that's a straight red um, I, think we make, I think we make that situation for ourselves. Yeah, completely. He, the ball sort of fired into him by uh, Tompkins, Tompkins, I think, isn't it? And he takes a very sloppy touch off his chest. Um, and it was pretty clear he wasn't going to get to the ball first. It's it's not a malicious tackle, I don't think, because we sort of know he hasn't got that in him. But it's it's dangerous and it's sloppy and it's late and it studs down a player's leg. And I think if that was the, going the other way, I, I think we'd all be calling for a red. Yeah. I, I, for me, that passage of play just exemplified the rustiness that we showed on in display all game. The pass from Tompkins, who was abysmal. Like yeah. we, we have to talk about James Tompkins. Um, but the yeah, lofted half volley pass, the awkward chest control, and then the decision to go in on that tackle, which was probably 90-10 in favour of Tete, and any challenge was going to result in a foul, and it resulted in a foul that was so aggravated that it was worthy of a red card. And probably one of the few things that Andy Madley got Got right yesterday, um, to he, be fair. So no no questions with that from me. Before we go into the second red, Mitchell has had a tough year, 
I guess, almost. He, he's been, he's young, and of you know, no one is saying he's obviously not a great player, and I think still has everyone's backing. But he has a tough game before at Forest before the break. Had some tough games away from home earlier in the season. Newcastle away, almost twice to be honest. Thing to mind. He is going. I mean, now he's obviously out for three games. He is going through a difficult spell. Let, let's hope the new year maybe brings a new Mitchell. I think he was at the height of his powers when he got called up for England, and then since then, in March, April time. Include probably from the cup semi final when he didn't have a particularly good game. Yeah, for me, he's looked a shadow of himself since then. The odd glimpse of oh yeah, there's a, pro- a proper player there, but nowhere near the level he was in the first few months of last season. Um, up to his call up, I mean, he wouldn't have got called up if he wasn't playing at the the required level. Um, but he's nowhere near that right now. Doesn't look comfortable when he's receiving the ball. Um, doesn't look comfortable playing the ball. Um, defensively, he's still in the right place. His positioning's decent enough, but he looks rusty. Um, it, it, seems to, it does seem to be getting targeted. Forrest definitely targeted him with Brennan Johnson in that in that yeah. game back in November, and it looked like Fulham did the same thing. Uh, called over Reed was was pinning him, and yeah. Uh, yeah, because of his height, because he's not the tallest fullback, that ball over the top is always there. Um, but when he was on form and, and confident, he was dealing with that. Very well. And he, to be fair, yesterday, even the, the efforts that Fulham made before he got sent off, he was dealing with, but he doesn't look um, he doesn't look confident to me. Um, and I'm not saying that that requires a brand new left back, but perhaps some competition would actually be good for him because it's probably the least contested part of the pitch in terms of select first team selection. I know Gyro could do a job there. Jeffrey Schlupp could do a job there. Kleine and Ward could could switch, I guess. So there are options to play at left back, as we've seen when Mitchell's been unavailable, and we will see in the next fixture. Um, but in, in terms of if, if Mitchell's available, he's more than likely to be starting because there is a lack of, a lack of competition in that part of the squad. Yeah, I mean, we'll obviously talk about the transfers at some point, but in the Premier League, you need two Premier League quality players minimum in every position. You can't have players who quote unquote can do a job. That is not yeah. Premier League level. That's, that's, that's more championship level, but that's what we got at the moment. And you're right. All those players you listed, you wouldn't you wouldn't be quaking in your boots at them playing, but you need obviously better quality, better um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, for players where that's their first position. Just, just need better depth, yeah, better sustainability yeah. in the squad. Yeah. One, one thing that I am keen to see what happens in in January is what happens with Tyo Adamarola. That loan to Coventry didn't work out. I think the idea was alone in the championship this season, play 30 to 40 games a season and maybe give them the pre-season in the first team next, before the 23-24 season. Um, so you would hope that there would be another loan move to a, a championship club being lined up for him. Um, but it, that's not going to solve the issue right now. So we might have to find a short-term solution. Yeah, well, I think, yeah. I wonder how how forced the club's hand will be um, in January. Although if you are a member of the patron uh, uh, Chelsea and Dom uh, didn't paint a particularly positive picture of January. So do listen to that if you are also concerned about that kind of thing. Before we go into the Tompkins Red, and then we've got questions about Tompkins as well. Um, I did notice this weekend quite a few clubs in the Premier League are giving youngsters uh, chances. There's the young guy down at Southampton, the winger who looked very, very good. Uh, Liverpool played a couple Liverpool. of youngsters. One of them scored uh against Villa. Fulham, Fulham put a youngster on yesterday. Fulham. We don't seem to for a bit. And yet we've, we've seen in, in some of the friendlies in the world cup, we do have, you know, uh, a decent crop coming through, but seems to be that flow has 
stopped, hasn't it, recently? I mean, the academy is one thing, but also Chris Richards. I'm mean, talking about Tompkins. I mean, yeah. Chris Richards being a youngster didn't get the call up to start, even with six weeks worth of is he a youngster? How, how old is he? Is he twenty or twenty-one? Oh my god, I thought he was older. Look, he looks older. No, I think he's. I think he's youngster. Apologies, listener. I've got Maybe that wrong. Maybe it's the hair. But, okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I think uh, that that decision to pick Tompkins over Richards is, kind of highlights that. Um, it, that in itself. Um, but yeah, I think we, <laughs> we certainly do need to talk about James Tompkins, who I would be surprised if we see start a Premier League game uh, again in the uh, the remainder of the season. And that may well be his last start for Palace if, if his contract comes to an end in the summer. But I, I said when he came on against Chelsea uh, in October that that was perhaps the rustiest performance I'd seen from a Premier League player for a long time. He outdid himself yesterday. <laughs> he yeah. looked like he was a guy who's been retired for a couple of seasons and got an emergency phone call at 11 o'clock yesterday morning <laughs> to say, or, or can like, you play? Or like someone's dad at Sunday league level who's had to like do Sunday's a job dad, because they're not yeah. enough players. Sunday's dad or someone's mate who's come to watch and they're short, so he's had to put a pair of shorts on him. <laughs> His passing was terrible. There was there was a, at 1-0 down, and this was after Mitchell went off, there was a, a moment where I think Joachim Anderson was close to throttling him because... He was so far off the pace, and Anderson had had to make a who I thought was bang average yesterday as well. I mean, let's yeah. let's I'm not going to hide from it. everyone was terrible yesterday, other than maybe the goalkeeper. Um, but Anderson had to make a recovery tackle from about 15 to 20 yards in terms of a high speed sprint and saved a certain shot on target because Tompkins was was dead and he was blowing. And how the decision with five substitutions available to him, how the decision that James Tompkins already on a yellow card was not hooked at half time for either Wardy to go centre half or for Chris Richards to go centre-half, is beyond me. And for me, that's one of the most neglectful decisions that Patrick Vieira has made as Palace manager. Well, uh, I think everyone in the ground there supporting Palace would have made that substitution. Yeah. With five substitutions, um, I, I, for the life of me, I can't imagine why they decided to keep James Tompkins on. Well, Finn Palfreyman says the same thing. How poor is Vieira's choice to keep Tom, hi Finn, uh, Tompkins on at half-time? And Jamie Peniston-Raja... Uh, it says the same thing. Can't understand why Tompkins started the second half. He was exceedingly poor and just can't play foot, the football Vieira once. Small positive in that Richards actually looked half okay, question mark. Um, couldn't tell you. As positive couldn't, as we're going to get. I couldn't tell you. I, I, I don't know how good we could judge him to be against in a basically a training exercise once he'd come on. Nine against 11. That's what teams yeah. do in training. Yeah. And we did still concede two goals with him on the pitch. So it, I don't know. Um, but he certainly should have been given a run out. He's had a full period during the World Cup of, of training with the first team, as I understand it. He's featured in friendlies, I think starting a couple of the friendlies. So I just don't understand. I know Joe mentioned, and this was a valid point Joe made last week. If Mitrovic was playing, I understand why James Hopkins was, was played to maybe mitigate the risk that Mitrovic poses. But <sighs> there must have been clues that James Tompkins was not at it during the last six weeks and they haven't been picked up. And even his first half performance yesterday, including the yellow card that he picked up, which I think was harsh, but he wasn't the yellow card. Even that wasn't clue enough for the coaching staff to decide we've got to take him off to avoid going down to nine men. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think I would 100% agree with that. Just on the yellows, you think the first one was harsh? Well, maybe not I harsh. Think the, I think the first was silly. I think the second was a bit I harsh. I think the first one was silly, but it was inconsistent application of the of the law by the referee because yeah. literally 90 seconds prior to that, which led to the set piece, which Tompkins was up there for Jordan. Ayew had cut him from the right-hand side was bearing down on goal and was pulled down by Andres Pereira. 
and Pereira was not issued a yellow card. Yeah. Tompkins, experienced pro, probably thinking, all right, there's the line. I'm just going to clip Mitrovic over here and run back. So for Madley to book him for that, having not booked Pereira, I think is inconsistent refereeing. It's probably the right decision, but it's inconsistent application of the law, which lulls a player into a false sense of security. The second yellow, if you're on a yellow, I don't know what you're doing. What I would say is that the sequence of play which led to the ball going back to that part of the pitch, again, highlighted our lack of game plan. Yeah. Ebbs' pass was rubbish, curved it round Mitrovic, which led, uh, so curved it round Tompkins, which gave Mitrovic the chance to run round Tompkins. Yeah. And whatever Tompkins was thinking, that is a yellow card because whether he's meant to or not, he's obstructed an opponent from running on to the pitch or running on further onto the pitch. And yeah. yes, he's milked it and he's made the most of it. He's probably bought the yellow card. The referee didn't see it. And I think the linesman's uh, given that. Um, judging by the uh, re- reaction of Andy Madley in the first place, um, so no real issues with the with the red card for him I, either. I actually became one of those fans that when I watched match today earlier, um, paused it and went frame by frame and took <laughs> screenshots because I wanted to see exactly what had happened. And it's a weird one because he's looking the wrong way. He's literally not looking at Mitrovic, looking at the ball, and he he is sort of putting his arm out. I, I, in real time, I thought, oh, he's elbowed him. And then when I watched it back again in in full speed from the camera angle, I think, oh no, actually, he he sort of stood his ground and Mitrovic was almost running to him. But I think he knows he's there. And I think he's such an experienced pro Tompkins. I think the issue is he's given the ref a decision to make. And actually, would Mitrovic have got the ball? Probably not. Would Guaita have got there first and cleared it? Probably. I think Guaita had the ball. Yeah. I think the pace of Ebbs' pass was enough to get it to Guaita. No issue with that. But it's the fact that he's stopped Mitrovic from making progress up the pitch, regardless of where it is on the pitch, it's probably a yellow card because it's it's where both, the contact makes. I think makes. They're, both, they're both two silly yellows that actually yeah. you could maybe excuse Chris Richards, who's 22, by the way, so still 22. pretty young. I think we'll call yeah. it a youngster. Certainly um, young by my standards. So. <laughs> very young by my standards. Um, <laughs> then uh, I think you could almost excuse that, but I think an experienced pro like Tompkins in his early 30s, I think probably has enough experience to oh. to not walk that tightrope. I mean, they're, they're both, I, I looked at the first yellow as well, and it, it it's it's silly, it's petulant, it's silly. I, I mean, as he fouls was it, a, Mitch, was it a pull or was it a kick? It's a pull, it's a bit of a pull and a bit of a tangle, but it's, he definitely knows what he's doing. But Mitrovic is literally about to get tackled by Ebbs, I think. He's running into about mm. two Palace players. He's going nowhere. He's in his own corner flag. It's, mm. it's, it's all, it, it, to be honest, those both reds, but certainly Tompkins yellows, sort of summed up, I think, the head loss that Palace kind of um, suffered. Just, from for, I, I said this last night, we were talking the game over, and I just said the, the red cards for me summed up the softness of the performance. They're, they're both quite soft red cards, but they're both soft. They're both red cards, but they're soft. And it summed up the performance for me. It was just, yeah, soft. <laughs> It was. Uh, do you know what? That's a good place to end part one. We'll take a break because we're going to come back with many, many, many more questions. Um, but let's take a quick break before we do that. And uh, we'll see you in a very short time. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent. The next, a chef or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. 
the Volvo XC40 Recharge for every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Fluffy Pan Podcast. Way, way, <laughs> way. That was quite. That was quite soft as well, wasn't it? A soft way for a soft Palace performance. Three uh, 0 against Fulham on Boxing Day. Chat the other three nils from the last two seasons. Can you name those? Spurs. Yep. Aston Villa. Aston Villa. Oh yeah. God! Particularly bad one. That was particularly yeah. soft. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, what the so odds on three nil next year? I might. Have. I don't know. No, to know. Championships are tough league. <laughs> I'm pulling your leg, listener. There we go. I mean, we actually had no questions. Do you know what? Let's not go there. Let's not go there. You can ask I, the question. You can I, ask the well, question. Uh, before we, I, I'll see if anyone mentions it. I don't know if, if anyone has. I mean, there are some questions. Are you worried? Worried? I'm, 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 I'm slightly. Well, I know it's Nav asked how fucked are we, which I think probably. Right. <laughs> I think that probably kind of. Alludes to a fear of relegation. <laughs> if there's any pods to ask that, then this is the one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I am slightly worried after that performance because I said last week on the 
the pod that I I felt it was a good time for Vieira to have with so many of the players. I mean, we had so few players at the World Cup. Yeah. And that's the performance we turn out from a squad that has been working with the manager and the coaching staff for yeah. four of the last six weeks. That is a bit of a worry. Um, the, the, the relieving uh, thought is that we have a transfer window available, but as Selzy and Dom alluded to and many other people that seem to have good contacts at the club have suggested, we're going to be looking at short-term solutions, mainly loans yeah. to, to fill these gaps. So, you know, the loan market is very difficult to get right. You know, we've had a very successful loan last season with Conor Gallagher, but how many other loans have been, you know, ineffective and, and very poor? Quite a number. So yeah. it's a bit of a gamble. Um, you would, as a fan, you'd like to think that the performance was so bad yesterday, it may encourage a bit of money to be spent and and for investment to be made in parts of the squad that need investment in, uh, namely midfield. Um so I am I'm worried. I'm more worried than I was before kickoff yesterday for certain, but I'm still not especially concerned about relegation um yet. Bournemouth away is a fixture that I hope we will take something from. So the fear of relegation will increase if we don't take anything from that. But yeah, we'll I'll be I again. will be I will be if we lose to Bournemouth and put in the performance we have done in the last two game weeks. I will start to worry, I think, a little bit. And actually, I wor- I wonder if at that point, I can't believe I'm saying it, actually, Vieira's job might be under pressure a little bit. Not just because of the results. Because I, I, I think Palace have shown under Vieira in the last season and a half that they will put runs together and, and sort of be okay. And actually, still 11th in the table, mm-hmm. not really sort of in and around the relegation. Well, it's quite tight, but um, the manner of those defeats. And Chelsea always says, doesn't he, you're about, what, five or six games away from the sack. The manner, if we do the same at Bournemouth, the, 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 yeah, the manner of them would be, I think, the, the worrying thing. Do you know what's interesting? Go on. I've, again, skimmed through the questions. I don't, know if it's, I don't know if this is like an indication of sort of how level-headed FYP listeners are. Very few are actually asking about relegation. Mm. Are actually, but I'd imagine if I went on Twitter now, it'd probably be an absolute meltdown so that that's an interesting i think fyp listeners a little bit more sort of maybe level-headed than maybe even than you and i are today <laughs> doing this episode um and in fact there's something on that from paul Deason. hey paul um and i'll come back to you and ask you about Vieira's job in a minute mm-hmm. um uh, paul says um oh hi paul i'm probably not going to listen to this episode as i dread the overreaction oh, coming well paul your question has been read out well waste of hello <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope that Paul, maybe you know, in his own overreaction here, maybe changes his mind. Paul, you won't be alone. No, you won't be alone. But actually, it makes point. Some of the some of the catcalling in the HDL Homestyle Lower, I guess, is um, was embarrassing. Maybe these so-called fans need got a lump of coal they deserved for being, (laughs) and they put four stars, five stars. (laughs) Don't know what that means. From being, I don't know. uh, From Santa. Um, and came with grievances. What have they done to Santa? I do think on that point, and Joe and I mentioned this to you last week, I do think the Boxing Day fixture is quite an emotional fixture for a lot of fans because often it comes at the cost of family disagreement, a yeah. rush there, a rush back. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough yesterday to tie it with a family, catch up in, in, in the area, so I had reason to be in the area anyway, and it was just a, you know part of my day. But for other people, that it's a big sacrifice to travel up on on Boxing Day, you know, it's a time to be spent with family. So for Palace, if you're rewarded with a fantastic win, that's great. I'm sure the Wolves fans who saw a last-minute winner at Goodison yeah. yesterday, 
every one of them is not regretting a single decision. But there'll be a lot of Palace fans who went yesterday who would have been going home, you know, no no trains either yesterday. They've, yeah. they've, had, they've had an awful journey. And they're probably thinking, what the hell did I do in making a decision to go to that game? And that probably amplifies the feeling of discontent that people will have with that performance. That's my theory on Boxing Day fixtures. That's a good theory. That's a very good theory. No, I do think, I I do like, think yeah. com- compared to going to other games, Boxing Day is a bastard to do because it, it's, it's it more than likely annoyed someone that you've gone. Yeah. Um, and yesterday, you know really was not worth going to. Uh, that's probably why there was a bit of a sort of mass exodus after the second goal, because people are thinking, well, I'll, you know, I want to get back to see my family before they yeah. go home or whatever. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's, there's, there's definitely something in there. Because it's not that's not normally a Palace fan thing to do, to sort of leave early, despite being down to nine men and two nil down. But yeah. I guess you're right. A Boxing Day maybe a sort of extenuating circumstances um, to it. Or people trying to get home early. I don't know, because they said no trains. It was an absolute nightmare. If you did manage to get to Sellers yesterday, fair play to you, because yeah. um, it was a nightmare to get there. It was freezing cold. It was cold. And there was literally nothing to cheer about. So it was it was not an enjoyable experience um, at all. Before we come on to a question in a minute, which does, in the first sentence, does have the words survive and Premier League. So that's as close as we're going to get to I a relegation. we're flirting with relegation question. Here, so, um, yeah. But that's, that's fine. That's um, okay. I, maybe I've been a bit unfair there, we're talking about Vieira's job do you think if we do lose the Bournemouth game there the pressure starts to to build has it built has it built or it, it, I mean it is building as you know you referred to Selzy's uh, notion that you're only ever five or six games away from from being sacked which is probably statistically true bad runs lasting longer than six or seven games would put a club like Palace in a spot of bother if he was to be sacked after the Bournemouth game or in the next few weeks for me it would be perhaps one of the the cruelest sackings in Premier League history the only rationale I could see that would legitimise the club making that decision would be because it would give a new manager the transfer window to make their signings. Yeah. A la, um, Sam Allardyce in 2016? He's done that a few times, actually. He has done that, and he's, you know, as much as we lost to Parrish, there's a businessman at the heart of him, yeah. and and I could see why there would be the temptation. It's not so much the results, it is the performances. However, if the same players would be on offer to Vieira as would be offered to a new manager, if the club are saying it's only going to be short-term solutions, so no actual, you know, Money, money's going to be you know, provided to a new manager, then I don't see the benefit of sacking the manager to bring someone in only to implement loan signings into the playing system that they'd inherit from another manager. So I would think it would be very risky to sack Patrick Vieira, but given performances, if they continue, the chances of Patrick Vieira not seeing this season out as Palace manager will only grow. But that's been the same since he's been appointed. That's not... Yeah. That's not because of yesterday. That that's been the same since he was appointed in July 2021. Um, so I, I, I'm not thinking he's going to go anywhere anytime soon, um, other than the reasons that I've kind of highlighted there. No, I think that's fair. Um, it's always a question for Premier League managers, but he's done he's done so much to revolutionise the club. It'd be really really disappointing if it ended quick this quickly. But let's let let's cut off that chat. Let's, we're not talk sport. Let's move on to, to well, hit this question from Lee Ayres, and maybe this is the last relegation-y one, and we'll try and move on to hey, Lee. Something, something positive. I don't know if there is anything positive, but hi, Lee. Um, he says, uh, well, this is more a question about lineup than than uh, relegation. Can we survive in the Premier League without a midfield? Is there a way to play Ebbs, Wilf, and Michael? Because today wasn't it. 
Was Chris Richards a bright spark in the sea of mediocrity? Wow, he's done loads of questions here. And how bad was Andy Madley? Even if it didn't change the result, happy Christmas. Thanks, Lee. Hold the Lee Mad- uh, the Andy Madley chat. We'll, okay. we'll come on to him in a minute. Okay. Um, I have a question for you just broadly about kind of the, VA- the VAR issue in particular. I thought that was very bizarre. Um, the midfield is my biggest concern. Yeah. And yesterday we saw a midfield of a newly promoted club um, absolutely batter us. Harrison Reed, Shao Palina, and Anders Pereira were exceptional all game. It became very easy for them by the end of it, and they were, you know, strolling around, and uh, two of them got substituted to save them for the for the next fixture that Fulham have. But in the first half, even when it was eleven versus eleven, the three of them were cruising through our midfield. And I'm sorry, but Jeffrey Schlupp was not good enough yesterday. As simple as that. Simple You're really as that. choosing your words there, weren't you? No, he, I am. I could be a lot, lot harsher. He was not good enough. Um, and I've said before about Jeffrey Schlupp, for me, he's the perfect 12 because he comes in and does a short-term job in a variety of positions and his, his better elements of his um, of his style and, and his, his better attributes, you know, contribute to that kind of short-term effect, whether it's as a substitute or coming in for a few games at a time. But that guy should not be starting in a Premier League midfield, in my opinion. I, I just don't think he brings enough. And I don't, I, that might be unfair, and I'm sorry, listen, if you disagree, but I, I did not see anything from him yesterday that made me think he's going to have any impact in the game in that position. Um, Czech Decore had a very bad game by standards, and I actually couldn't tell you whether it was Ebbs or Michael Elise who was the third man of that midfield because the shape was so poorly adhered to. Um, they were cruising through that midfield. All three of them would get an out starting 11 right now, Fulham's midfield. And to say that of a club in their first season back in the Premier League probably says it all in terms of the state of our midfield. Uh, the lack of options off the bench, Luca, Gyro, Will Hughes, the fact the manager doesn't trust any of them to come in and shore that team up says a lot to me. Um, so yeah, Lee, Lee's spot on to, to hi- highlight the midfield as an area of concern. If that area of the pitch is not addressed in, in January, and I'd be stunned if it isn't, I do think the chances of us being relegated would increase massively. But I do trust that the recruitment team know that that's an issue, know that that's an area that they would have liked to have ideally um, added to in the summer. And therefore, there will be deals in the offing next month. I mean, I don't know if it's, he's going to come up in winners and losers. I mean, to be honest. There'll be a lot of losers. Um, what did you What did you make of Jeffrey Schlupp yesterday? Well, I've really, I'm really conflicted with Schluppy because we have seen really good bits from him. I think his issue, and I said this before in another pod, is consistency because I think there is a good player in there, and he has some great attributes. And actually, combined, they make a really, they make exactly what you want from a Premier League player. He's pacey. He's strong. Uh, he, he's got a good left foot, a good strike on him. But he he seems to have games, and maybe it's when the team is playing well he plays well, and when the team plays badly he plays particularly badly. Mm. But he has games where he completely floats by and does nothing. And 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 to be fair, I mean you're not the only one because lots of our listeners uh, agree. Benny Remedy, uh, Jedinax Beard, Ian Tyrrell, Ian, and Alan Dunt. They all. I mean, Alan says has Schlupp got compromising photos of Vieira because he can't work out why he plays. I, you know, I, every, JD, every time, one. every time I go in on a player like that, I really hate myself for it because six weeks ago, no, how long, how long ago was it? 
the West Ham fixture, however long ago, seven, eight weeks yeah. ago, I was really praising him because he played really well in that game. But yesterday he was so far off it. For me, it's not sustainable for him to be a starting central midfielder as if you play as badly as that. But Ebbs was terrible yesterday. Chet Decore had, for me, his worst game in a Palace shirt. Yeah. Michael Lise was anonymous. Like, it's not just Jeffrey Schluck, but I guess because he's not a central midfielder by, I don't know, his trade, you know, the way he's come up through Leicester, even when he signed for us initially, he's the one that sticks out the most. But actually, was he any worse than anyone else? I don't know. The fact that Fulham was so happy to let him have all the time on the ball they wanted, for me, highlighted that he's not deemed to be that much of a risk playing that deeply. As you say, he's got attributes that if higher up the pitch, he could be explosive. But playing that, is he going to do anything from the halfway line? Yeah. Not really. And actually, you're right. Compared to the Fulham midfield, I mean, Palinia has been a superb signing and looks absolutely I can't believe brilliant. he plays for them. I know. I can't, and he I can't believe... won't for much longer. No, no. He will be a, a, a target in the summer. Um, but that's a fantastic signing from Fulham. Harrison Reed is basically their Will Hughes, but has been given game time and, given and, time. and plays very well. And then obviously Pereira is a superb number 10 and, and we, that trio we, works really well. We were linked with him, weren't we? Well, who are we? Pereira. Mm. He'd have been very good indeed. Um, it, it leads on to a question here from um, Piercing Sound. Hey, piercing. Um, who says, thoughts on Patrick Vieira's squad stubbornness? It's quite similar to Roy in many ways. Clearly only trusts about 15 players or so, mystifying why Richards can't get a game. Tompkins obviously doesn't look fit. Schlupp is not a central midfielder or having a good season. How long is he going to persist with play- without persist? Sorry, without trying other players who can play a role in the central park? Someone else I saw did mention Will Hughes as well. Um, it was obvious it wasn't working from the start, um, but he even with the five subs, he does it. I don't know if stubbornness is the right is the right phrase, and I think we're very unfair comparing it to Roy. They're different managers, and I think we do need to move on from Roy Hodgson as his spell as Palace manager. And it was nice to see him back at Solos yesterday, actually, um, given what he did for the club. I'd say Vieira has maybe not uh, is not stubbornness, but he has a lot of faith. He has a he has a lot lot of faith in the particular team. And maybe he's looking for a consistency by playing, you know, really sort of committing to this system of essentially four one six, uh, committing to the players that play that system and hoping to play them into some sort of consistency uh, by sticking with them. But I can see how fans like persisting sounds might uh, translate that as a stubbornness. Four one five, four one six would be an unfair advantage. That's four one five. Sorry, <laughs> I told you I'm not good at maths. No, apparently not. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I would agree with that point entirely. Yes, I think it it was almost twofold. Yes, there were like different phases of this stubbornness. We talked about Tompkins not being taken off at half time or any other changes being made to the starting eleven. But once Fulham got two 0 ahead, I'd have taken the best players off. I'd have I'd have had Wilf off. I'd have had Elise off. I'd have had probably Chet Decore off. And then he made those subs other than Wilf with about five minutes to go. And it didn't make any sense to me. Unless he's that confident, that group of players with nine men was going to come back and get something from the game. With a game five days later, in a game which actually probably has taken on more importance than we would have given it thought, the Bournemouth game, being selfish, I'd have said, right, I need my best players as fit as possible for the Bournemouth game and to to avoid the risk of any injuries being picked up. I'd I'd have taken them. So that stubbornness kind of highlighted in two different elements of of his thought process there that he didn't make those subs we we talked at the start of the season Jack, and I'll be interested to get your thoughts on this one the five subs was going to take managers time to get used to it but it does seem that Vieira is being sort of taking slightly longer to get used to how to use the five subs 
compared to some other managers. Some other managers are almost using it as a license to be a little bit more carefree in making subs maybe 10 or 15 minutes earlier than they would have done with just three subs, certainly making more half-time substitutions, whereas Vieira just doesn't seem to be wanting to do that, and that probably alludes to that point of trusting only a certain group of the squad. Will Hughes is a great example. Why is Will Hughes not getting more minutes this season? Did he let Vieira down any time last season? I don't think so. Maybe he's just not his his player and he just doesn't fancy him. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that Vieira in press conferences has been, uh, I mean, Dom called it like a stuck record uh, last night in terms of talking about new recruitment. I don't think a manager would ever put his own playing squad in jeopardy by doing that, but he clearly feels like those other options outside of the 12 to 15 he, he likes. He doesn't, doesn't fancy them. And that is his remit as manager. He is allowed to to think it's like his that. job. Absolutely. Yeah. But it is it, it is weird and it does it it does uh certainly after games like yesterday. And I think you're right about the five subs thing. That's interesting. Yeah, and it must be it probably is difficult for managers that have spent so long playing and managing with three subs to get their head yeah, around. Yeah. So so um, but you're right. It does seem to be re- almost forget sometimes there are five subs and not. I'm, I'm not advocating not making five subs for the sake of it. I don't yeah. think because of that. That's the other side of it. That's the other end of the spectrum that subs are made for it, and that for therefore kill your momentum. But yesterday in the game. was screaming out for. But some yesterday was just like what? This isn't going to change. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't going to change, and actually, it almost was a salvage operation and get the players off the pitch that could damage Bournemouth on Saturday. Yeah, and and give minutes to Will Hughes and Gyro. If I'd make I'd make more sense of it in my head if he didn't do that at all, but then he did it with five minutes to go, and I was like, yeah. what's the point of this? Yeah, but left Wilf on, which I uh, credit to Wilf. The one thing he didn't do yesterday was stop. He did hassle and hurry the defenders and the goalkeeper. And at one point, he went very close to to uh, closing down Burnt Leno, which actually ended up leaving both of them on the floor, which was a bit of a worry for for a moment. But Wilf didn't stop harrying the Fulham defenders, but. Could someone else not have come on? Could Odson Edward not have come on and done that job in terms of just hassling and harrying people? But hey, maybe, maybe Vieira has more confidence in getting a point out of that game than I did when it went to 2 0. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, it would have been some comeback. Can you imagine? <laughs> Nine goal Palace coming back to 2 to 2. Um, a few random questions here. Let's I mean, people have, people have used the um, the comment section, I think, just to kind of. Uh, cathartic exercise. Cathartic exercise. John Dodds. Uh, I'd say he just I says don't. he says why just why Andy Hill hey, Andy. hello Andy says could it be any worse uh, and Mark Hodges hello Mark hey Mark says are the players donating their wages to charity this week the whole <laughs> lot gross <laughs> um, and Jim Piddock hi Jim oh, hey Jim friend of the podcast uh, says I think it's probably a mistake not telling the players that the season restarted at three p.m. on December the twenty sixth <laughs> so have. <laughs> It, it, Have we confirmed that they definitely did do that? It was a bit like they had just been put together. It was that first 15 minutes that just struck me as them being so off it. The, the short short passing, the tracking back, the the lack of coverage. It was just... Especially at home to a promoted team who, albeit, have done very well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. did have two defeats on the bounce going into this game. Um, so it would have been the perfect game to sort of really go for it. But... Look, we, we said, and I think every Palace fan I spoke to last week said, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what this is going to be like. This is like a, a first day of the season in yeah. Yeah. at the end of December. Don't know what to make of it. But nobody was expecting that. That was fucking terrible. <laughs> it was. I, sorry, listeners, there's a few F-bombs dropped in. Sorry. I, I'm not going to edit them out. I'm sorry. Not edit I them out because I'm I think sorry, if, I think if there's any pod... No, no, it's fine. If there's any pod where I think it's appropriate, it is this one. So I'll put a little uh, explicit label on the pod because uh, I think that's totally fair. Um, 
last question, I think, for this section, or I might try and Let's get a few it. into uh, part four, but this is from Jacqueline Hart. Um, and it is coming back to a subject you talked about earlier. You said to Park earlier. We're coming back to it. Jacqueline says, two reds and a handball goal. We haven't even talked about that yet. Oh. Just wondering why Fulham's 12th player didn't try and give them a couple of bonus penalties as well. Cue the weekly VAR discussion. Andy Madley. Yes, that the, the second goal was technically a handball by, uh, well, it was a handball by Mitchell. I don't know what the rule is. I felt I thought it was if you if you get a uh, an advantage from a handball, unfair advantage. It That's the key count. word. The key word is unfair advantage. But now we're being told if you don't score from it yourself or the handball lead doesn't score, it doesn't count. But but what are your thoughts on you know on Andy Madley in general? I like watching referees. I, I do. I, you know, <laughs> listeners are probably so bored of me talking about referees, <laughs> but I do like watching referees because I think you know a good referee's performance is actually quite satisfying to watch. But. There was a handball, a very clear handball by, I think it was Kenny Tete, after about three minutes with his arm outstretched. And it wasn't so much that he didn't give it, it's the fact that the linesman, the assistant referee on that side, nor the fourth official, who is allowed to contribute to advising the match officials, if required, didn't do it. And I just thought, I don't think these guys are at it either. I think this is going to be a long afternoon watching these guys. And then there, there, I alluded to, I didn't allude to, I stated that the, the lack of a yellow card for Pereira for committing the exact same offence he booked James Tompkins for only 90 seconds earlier was very bizarre. Uh, and then everything just went Fulham's way. He gave everything in the middle to Fulham. Everything against Palace, he seemed to give against Palace. Um, but the handball, which at the time, I, I couldn't see him at the other end of the ground. And I, but I've seen it since. I don't know who the VAR was actually yesterday, but... They are highlight. They wouldn't highlight that if they didn't think that was a a contravention of the law of the game. And Andy Madley decided to not follow their advice. Yeah. And I, I, so in that regard, and Andy Street said this in in the group chat. From my perspective, the referee has not applied the law of the game, so therefore he should be demoted for the next round of fixtures. If 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 the referees can't apply the law of game when they're being given video evidence by a colleague. What are we doing? Like, yeah. what? What is I going on? I said that. I sat next to Julian Chenry and I said this performance reeks of the referee was demoted for the following weeks. Yeah, games. it really does. Yeah, this this referee is is uh, next week got Rotherham versus yeah, exactly. whoever. Yeah, I I thought he was bang average yesterday. Um, that's not to say he had much to do with our um, with the end result or our performance. Uh, you know, the two red cards, which you know could contribute towards the the result and our performance. I, I think he actually got right, but just his general control of the game was lacking. Yeah. Uh, kind of highlighted the most by that particularly odd uh, going to the monitor and turning right. I think that's only the third time that's happened this season. Someone said on, on maybe Patch the Day or some or somewhere that there's over the break there's been a new initiative by the PGMOL that referees are being encouraged to stick with their on-field decision. So that almost reeked of him getting that email and thinking, well, well, the first chance I got, I've got to like show that I believe in myself, even if the decision was right in the first place to, to, to one of my biggest, one of my biggest football gripes are new initiatives halfway through the season. Yeah. 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 I think it changes the the fairness of the competition. Like what's to say that another referee previously wouldn't have stuck by his own decision. If that initiative hadn't come out and that would have affected points for us or points against us another way, like it's yeah. a nonsense. To it's because Howard Webb that. is the new, yeah, I mean, we really are bearing down into uh football fan conspiracies. But Howard Webb is the new head, I think, isn't he, of the PGM oil? And I think he has driven a lot of quote unquote change uh this season. Oh, too, too much, it's too many 
It's not too many cooks. That's the wrong phrase. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's change for the sake of change. During the during the same competition, I don't think it's right that new initiatives are implemented, which yeah. impact the decision making yeah. of officials. That's very much something that should happen between seasons. I, I just yeah. don't think that's right. But, I mean, as you said, this is all a caveat because oh. Palace would have lost that game. Yeah, absolutely. We could, still, we could still be there and it would be 14-0 to Fulham <laughs> yeah, exactly. at this point. So, exactly. No, absolutely. Not, nothing to do with the performance, but I thought he was just another indicator of how low those standards are in terms of, of match refereeing in, in this I country. Agree. I thought it was, it was inconsistent. There, there, were, there were decisions for and against Palace that I thought were made. It, there was one where a Fulham player... Uh, tackled a Palace player by poking the ball through his legs, and yeah. we got the free kick. I said he gave everything to them. That's actually not right because some of the stuff he gave us was were decisions I wasn't expecting us yeah. to get. Yeah, and he actually almost um, Graham pulled it in that I don't think he was certain that he'd book James Tompkins until I either either one of his colleagues had told him, or the Fulham fan protesting, or the Fulham players protesting. Um, made it that obvious that he needed to get the red card out. But yeah. there's a long time between the second yellow and yeah, the red. I thought that. So I watched it back again uh, this morning. And the Fulham, he does do that. He, he books him and puts, tries to put it away and looks like he's just going, okay, free kick. Yeah. And the Fulham players rush round. And then you can really, you can see him mouthing, I think, to Deco yeah. de I've got it. I've got it. I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. it. I'm going to do it. Like, which, yeah. which, which maybe he was just being slow, but he was so quick to get the red out for Mitchell. Yeah, but it it did seem uncharacteristic then to to we are really nitpicking, but you know what? This is what these podcasts it's just are. nice to not talk about how bad Palace were exactly. for, for two minutes. Um, we're going to have to again actually after break, Jack. Because it's time for winners and losers. Um, this is going to be very no interesting. winners this week, guys. <laughs> Straight losers, to part four. losers and losers, losers and losers. Anyway, see what we do after this break. The following is a message from the future, sent by Jamie from Progressive. Back in 2023, you could get help from Progressive Online, through our mobile app, or over the phone. But here, in the future, you'll be able to chat with us from space. Maybe you're asking, why are you spending time on insurance in space? Shouldn't you be sculpting something out of moon rocks, or jumping around with no gravity? Insurance seems more like a back-on-earth kind of thing, right? Actually, in the future, space is no big deal. Errands are totally appropriate. That was a message from the future. Get the help you need today with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Johnny Saddlebags. Slippery Pete. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. Ain't but one thing to do. Yep, start banking at community banks. Say what now? We'll grow this town bigger by doing business with community banks. That way our money will get reinvested locally and help small businesses grow and prosper. Son of a saddle spur. This town will be big enough for the both of us. Help your community grow. Find your community bank at banklocally.org. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best, Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. 
And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabine of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best, Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabine of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Welcome back to the Fight Plan Podcast. Wee. Sorry, I forgot to weigh. I was looking at my notes. Solo weigh. That was tragic. That was, <laughs> that was really embarrassing. That was uh, as as incoherent as, not incoherent, as, you know. That was embarrassing. That's I like starting that. a chant. Right words. It's like starting yeah. a chant that no one yeah. else follows. Have you ever done that? No. no haven't got it in me. But I feel for people. When you when you hear it, I do, I, I, I sort of. I say no. I almost certainly have, but I liked, I've probably erased it from my memory. <laughs> well, listen, mate, this is going to be a first, really, I think, because uh, as you said at the end of part two, this might be a losers and losers. I think, I think I've got one potential winner, I think, for Palace, but this will be very, very difficult. Um, if you are, this is a patron only section, I should say. If you're listening on the public feed and you've never heard this before, we do, we pick our winners and losers each week, but only for patrons. So if you want to hear how we get through this section, uh, sign up at patron.com, P A T R E O N.com slash F Y P podcast. Uh, if you're not a patron, you'll now hear a clip from the post match pod as a way of trying to, you know, show you what's on offer for patrons. Of course, they get those every match day straight after the game. Um, so let's <laughs> just, just sells you telling him there's no hope for any good transfer <laughs> news in January. <laughs> yeah. In case you <laughs> In case you want a little break from our pessimism, with some more pessimism, uh, here's we'll make the split now uh, between uh, the patrons and the public. It's daft on his part. He's actually, I think it's a palace corner. He sort of chases Mitrovic out to the to the far touchline. So he's 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 deep in Fulham territory, deep in yeah. Fulham territory, up the other end of the pitch. And Mitrovic nuts make, nutmegs him and he doesn't like it. He twists away away from him and he he basically rugby tackles him down to the ground. So that's a that's a yellow card and it's a stupid foul to give away when you're 20 minutes into your first Premier League start in a year. Uh, and we all know, and I, I really like James Tompkins. He's been a brilliant servant for Palace and he was for West Ham before. But but when he's had periods out of the team and he's come back in, James Tompkins has always looked 
painfully rusty. He's just looked, he takes a while to get up into the rhythm of the game, which is completely understandable. And that was a, to put yourself on a booking 20 minutes into your return against a, a slippery team like Fulham was, a uh, was, was difficult. Yeah. And then the second one, yeah, it's soft. It is soft, but, but Mitrovic absolutely does him. I mean, he, he, he sees he can do it. And he does. And Palace have no players in their team that can perform such shithousery. They have none of them. They don't have that in their locker. They don't have that. And mate, some fans will be out there saying, well, we don't want that. We want to play properly. Well, I think you need a bit of a blend of it. You need a bit of that in your team. You need a bit of devil. We haven't got any um, really anymore. I mean, Wilf, when he's in the game, can, can do it. But he was so peripheral today, it was painful. And look, it's soft. It's The referee's bought it. And because he has... Because he has raised the arm, he's not. He's actually. I think he's actually ushering the the ball back to Gaeta. He's sort of pointing the way of the ball through to the goalkeeper, and Mitrovic has just taken that opportunity to to ensure there is contact, not on his face, by the way. And he goes down clutching his face, yeah, but yeah. sort of on the the neck, I suppose. Um, and because it's a yellow card as opposed to a straight red, the, the VAR can't get involved, so he's sent off. I, I but, thought it. I thought it looked like Tompkins stepped across him in a. In a, in a well, he did a, a bit, but not in a. I mean, not, yeah. But he's he's in, within his right to sort of go that that way towards the ball. I think. I don't think. Yeah. I, I just as much as it's frustrating and it's harsh and 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 Tompkins is he's been done there. I just wish Palace had someone like a Mitrovic in their team because he someone who who is capable and and of making mischief like that because it's benefited them today. And it, and Fulham will never have a, an easier Premier League game ever away from home than that. It was, it was embarrassingly easy. It was embarrassingly easy before the first goal went in, but, but yeah, thereafter it just became a training exercise. I did wonder when we'd get the first use of the term shit house read, but I do think it is absolutely oh, applicable, was, absolutely yeah. applicable to, uh, to, to Mr. Mitrovic. And I don't disagree with anything you just said there in terms of the, oh, the I... offense's team. I would say to you, JD, I'm one of the fans who doesn't want it, but I don't like it, and I don't, you know, it goes on, and and you accept that it goes on, and it's up to the referee. There was an incident in the first half where Joachim Anderson went in on him, and he fell to the ground, screaming, clutching his leg, and I thought, oh, he's quite badly hurt there. He could be in a bit of trouble. Only for him not to get the decision and the ball to come towards him and him to spring back up and run like the clappers after it, uh, as if there was nothing wrong with him. So he's he's not a player I admire too much for his conduct and his behaviour. Um, but, you know, he's he's obviously a bit of a handful. But, you know, the referee and the assistant should be better than 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 mistaking that second yellow card for James Tompkins as a as a he didn't chop him in the throat or anything like that. It was nonsense really or in the face. He was his arm came out and he just went across and he stepped across him to make sure the ball went back to the goalkeeper. I mean that goes on in every game up and down the land every weekend. So I can't I couldn't see that looking at that as I have quickly that that was ascending that that was even a booking. But as, as Dom said in the first half, you know, when he got booked, I was with a pal today who uh, is, uh, owns a, a brand that does um, 
all the mannequins and hurdles and stuff that you see on the training grounds. He's a big Fulham fan, actually. So I, I invited him along today. He was a mate for lunch. And, and you know, when Tompkins got the yellow card, I said to him, referee's got no choice. You know, he's just pulled a bloke back in the corner uh, with about 10 bodies between him and the goal. There's absolutely no need for him to do it. And it was really cheap and naive. And it was probably an instinct, as Dom said, because he didn't like being made a bit of a fool of. But then you're on a, then you're on the edge, and that's why I said to you, the manager not to remove him at half time when you've got ten men. I thought was just crazy, you know. And I, I, it's not a case of hindsight. I said it at half time. This is a risk we can't take at this point. I don't care how well or badly he's playing, and not that he was having a very good game, but that. Taking that to one side, you just could not afford to be in a situation where you were going to play with nine men, and that's exactly what we did. That That's winners on losers done. Um, if you do want to hear that, <laughs> then you're a sadist, but also you're not a patron. So do sign up at patreon.com slash FAP podcast for all sorts of perks. Um, after the break, we're going to preview the games come thick and fast. Palace are away at Bournemouth in a couple of days' time, so we'll preview that. time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. 
it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Funny Fan Podcast. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've I got, got I've I've got, got it in me. Way. Oh, no, I've got, got it in me. Just a deep breath. I've got it in me. Can we do it? Let's do let's do it. I think a deep breath is better actually. Let's do that together. Okay. Welcome back to the Fiber Pan Podcast. <sighs> Should have from the start. Uh it's preview time. Mate, this is it. This is this is when we can put the Fulham game to bed and we can start looking forward to Palace's next game. Um, oh look, it's a game against a newly promoted team. Yay! Who are so exceeding well. who are exceeding expectations? Yeah! That's so well in those in the last two weeks. <laughs> they are currently, much like Fulham, losing their prior game to playing Palace. They are 2-0 down at Chelsea with okay. 10 minutes to go as we speak. Okay. Um this is gonna be, I mean it is tight down the bottom, and all the promoted teams so far have actually it, no one's cut adrift. They've all exceeded expectations a bit. Bournemouth did go on a little bit of, of a run. It won't be an easy game. Um, given the pre- two previous games against Forest and Fulham and the performances and the results, I'm not going to call it must win, but it needs a big performance, doesn't it? I think, if, as you said at the start of the pod, if this game gets a similarly tepid performance, there's going to be, oh, you'd be January around the corner, some serious you'd as, questions. You'd be as positive as tepid yesterday, would you? That's a... That's a f- what did you say earlier? What, 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 was, what did you use earlier? I can't, I can't remember. Cold, 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 slow. I can't remember. Slow. I don't know, so many words. In, insert your criticism here. Tepid is um, generous. Tepid is generous, isn't it? Tepid yeah. is generous, Sorry. yeah. yeah. Tepid implies some degree of what was once warmth. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll go back to stone cold then. Stone cold. Brutally cold. <laughs> dead. Um, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I probably am not thinking of it as... Uh, must win simply to <laughs> for my own for my own state, um, but it's for me. It's more about the performance. I, I I would take a very positive performance, dominate the ball, create chances, and take a point. I don't think we have to take three points on Saturday because yeah. the comfort of being an eleventh. I, I think it's probably more about the performance. If, however, we re, we we turn out like we did yesterday and 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 before the World Cup against Forest, you know, no shots on target in two games takes a lot there, there probably aren't many clubs this season who'll go two league games um even you know even with the high quality of opposition in this league there won't be many teams who go two two league games in a row um with no shots on target so anything near that would be a major disappointment and and would indicate that the um the response required from the team isn't being garnered by the manager which again would would, would provide some fears for some so um i'm not considering a must win but it's, it's all about the performance for me I completely agree. Completely agree. And actually, if they come out, you know, positively in the first 10, 15 minutes, that can really set the tone. And actually, even if it doesn't, even if they start brightly and end up going on to lose or draw, I think Palace fans just need to see something and early, I think. Because otherwise, I can imagine the way end will get tetchy and people will start to feel like we're in the 
the same going through the motions again. So it just needs a bit of something. And and what that is, I don't know. That you know, that that bit of magic that managers can pull out the bag, which he has done previously. Like mm-hmm. this is not I'm not saying that this is someone who's on his last legs and I don't believe can can do the business. He's done it before and he can do it again. But we're, we're certainly we're entering um serious stages now, I think, of the season in terms of what he can do. In terms of who plays. Left back, okay, Gay comes back in for uh, for Tompkins, so that's no that's brainer. a like for like. Yeah, that's easy, yeah. Maybe like not, for like, not like for on, like on Tompkins. <laughs> James Tompkins are oh, so close to a World Cup place. Yeah, <laughs> Tompkins exactly like Mark Gay. I would value James Tompkins. I would also value James Tompkins between sixty and seventy million pounds. Yeah. <laughs> As in, you would pay another club 60 or 70 million pounds. To... Oh, no, come on. No, we, we've given him enough. Know, we've we've given him I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling very bad for this James Tompkins chat. Left back. Love you, love you James, a, if you're listening. He's not listening. He's not listening. Imagine I if he is. I really imagine. <laughs> Comes out in the press conference next week. Do you know what? Those guys at FYP are wankers. <laughs> I'll show Jack and Jim. <laughs> um, he does. Hey, if we have the influence to stir a career comeback for James Tompkins... I'm here for it. I agree that. Yeah, totally, totally. Going on the CV um, if that happens. <laughs> um, left back. Who plays left back then? Is it Schluppy? Given that he played, no. I mean, at some point it was three, four, two, four, three, one. I think wasn't it at some point? Yes, four, two, one, four, three, one. But Schluppy was the sort You're of default left back. Listening to Jim's algorithms, <laughs> maths with Jim Daly. <laughs> Or not, oh, maths, not to do maths. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, my instinct is uh, Wardy at right back, Klein at left back. Uh huh. Yeah. I think we could see that. Maybe Gyro, but I think Jeff Schlupp probably needs to be available for the midfield still, unless he makes massive changes to the midfield. I, I think he'll keep with him in there for the energy that that he thinks he provides and has provided previously. Um, I think he'll keep him there unless he changes shape. If he changes shape and maybe plays Will Hughes or Luca next to Czech Decore and maybe plays Ebbs yeah. as the as the top of that three with Elise or Ayu on the right, Wilf on the left, and with Odson Edward through the middle, um, maybe Schlupp does um, not play. But if you want Czech as the sole pivot, then you probably need the energy of Jeff Schlupp yeah. to, to play in midfield even if he's got other elements of his game lacking. So. Did Vieira say, I think I think it was Celsius said yesterday on the post-match pod, that Vieira did hint or even say in his post-match interview to someone that he, we may have to look at the way we play, which which people have translated as potential oh, change another system. system. We also need some tough bastards in there. Yeah. yeah. Technical term, yeah. but yeah. I, we're too soft. Yeah. We're too soft. And I don't mind if Will Hughes wants to come on and kick Lewis Cook in the first 10 minutes and take a yellow and then manage the game. That team yesterday was, for me, leaderless. There, were, there was nobody grabbing the grabbing the teammates, saying, come on, what's going on? And when we went down to 10 men, Joe had got the armband, just chucking the armband rounds. Again, yeah. don't really like that. You know, I know Mark Gay wasn't playing, Ward wasn't playing, Jimmy Mack nowhere near it, Luca wasn't playing. But it, it has been Wolf previously in that scenario, but then it was Joe up. I don't know. There's something about that. I just feel we're, we're a little bit too soft. And I was thinking about... You know who? Sorry, this isn't particularly Bournemouth related, but who would who's available in the Premier League right now that could come in on a short term contract? Who's not getting game time? You know, like a Gareth Barry type, someone like that who you know went to Everton on a free from from Man City and completely changed the way that dressing room was thinking. I don't know I've if there's any words there. for you. Go on, Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> I mean, if that happens. 
If you want someone to come in and just ruin the dressing room, <laughs> he is your man. Cristiano Ronaldo in SE25. Don't, don't think he's saucy enough, to be honest. But, uh... <laughs> now, I know what you mean. I completely know what you mean about, about characters. And actually, Maka would would add definitely add that in midfield. Oh, we would be very I unlucky not to have I, him. We, I don't feel we've had Maka available since Wolves at home last November. I think we're now over a year without Maka being available. I know he's featured at times, but I don't think he's been readily available, consistently available for over a year now. So the, the idea of him coming back and providing that for us consistently... I just don't think is a viable option. It'd be if it happens, great, but I don't think we should be relying on that right now. I agree. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's only a few days away, so we're back. Actually, we're back after that game uh, in in the new year because I think thirty first is the game, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, new year pod. We are planning a end of year review pod in the next couple of days as well. I mean, what a way to end it on. But anyway, Cheery. Cheery. hopefully we can we can. Uh, find a bit more positivity for 2022 because um, it has been a bit of a year. Before we do that, Jack, I think uh, we need to do a little shout out to to Maxi Jazz. Yeah. Uh, who passed away in the week. Um, arguably the coolest Palace fan around and a lovely tribute from the Palace fans on the 65th minute. Yeah, really, really lovely that that was... Uh, the tribute was so, so well received that, you know, when everything was going so badly on the pitch, the fact that... Palace fans. In fact, I saw one guy. I think he stayed for the 65th minute and then went. And that, that I looked at him and I kind of thought that's a that's a touch. But yeah, um, yeah. What a cool guy. What a, what a legacy he leaves. Um, and yeah, maybe. Sorry, sorry if any other celebrity fans are listening. Uh, but yeah, perhaps the the coolest. There was a really cool picture. I think Jim Piddock, um, second name check for Jim. He he watched a game. I don't know which game it was at Wembley, but he watched it with Maxi Jazza. Yeah. Uh, at Wembley in in one of the nicer areas of the ground. And there's a picture that Jim's taken of just Maxi Jazz just looking out on the pitch just by himself. And it just makes you think that for a man whose legacy will go on for decades, was still a Palace fan who looked at the yeah. team like like you, I, or any Lister would do. And that, that really struck me. But funny enough, last week when Terry Hall died, another very sad passing, I saw a, um, a Coventry City fan say how proud he was to have Terry Hall associated with his club. And I don't know if Terry Hall was a particularly big Coventry City fan, but he's from Coventry and and obviously the club, um, it, you know, may have, have lent on that a bit, but he may well have been a big fan. I don't know. When I read that, I thought about which Palace fans, celebrity Palace fans, I take pride in supporting the club. And Maxi Jazz was one of them. So to hear the news only a few days later was was quite, quite the moment for me. So, yeah, very sad uh, to hear the passing so young. Um, all the love and thoughts to to his loved ones, and um, yeah, really well received tribute yesterday by by Palace fans. Absolutely, and well, I think we're going to play out now with uh, with a faithless song uh, in in honour of of Maxi, um, and that's the end of this week's episode, Jack. So thank you. I appreciate you being on this episode and 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 going through that with me. So <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. Well, they, <laughs> it, it, it did provide a bit of respite from some uh, family time. So uh, okay, not all bad. Well, Thank you me. get back to Celebrity Squares or whatever it is you're playing and uh, <laughs> go and have some fun. And we'll be back in a few days with an end of year review, listeners. So keep an eye out for that uh, as we welcome in 2023. Patrons will have a post-match pod after the Bournemouth game and then we'll be cracking on the second half of the season. But until then... Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Well, look, we're going to leave you doing this last one, right? Brixton, I want you... Everybody put one finger in the air for me, right?
Podcast Network.